Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down into the show notes where you have a place where you can support the podcast if you really like what you're hearing or what you're watching on YouTube, as well as leaving us a review. It helps people find us. Mm-hmm. It helps give that social validation to other people that this is not a, you know, husband and wife weirdos talking about, you know, watching plants grow and stuff like that. Well, anybody can have a podcast. We, we yeah. you know, we want Everyone people to know that. Everyone has a podcast. I know. We want My people to know that. My dog has a podcast. <laughs> that like this is uh, what we think is a good, a good and helpful exactly. podcast. Exactly. So this is almost like a one month of Blossom and Root. We, we are going to be reviewing the early years volume one. It just kind of was like a, everything closed at the same time. It did. Um, so we're going to do a review of the early years volume one. Um, I, what I will do is I'll link the volume two review that we did, my goodness, like three, two years ago. Right. When our oldest finished volume two before she actually began. I think uh, we did our around the world journey before we started that. We finished volume two. So that was like two years ago. Yeah, we did it a little bit in weird order. So with our older daughter, we didn't do volume one because she no. was already kind of, you know, she was too old for it because uh, it's, it's supposed to be ages like two to four. Yeah. So we bought the bundle though because actually this is sold. It's a preschool curriculum sold and it's a volume one and two bundle. That should take you through basically all of preschool. Yep. Um, and so we went ahead and bought it at the time because I'm like, hey, our younger daughter is going to do this someday. We got another one coming. And someday came. Yep. Uh, so we use it for our younger daughter and now we she is moving on to Blossom Root Volume 2 although it is yep. the up, updated edition yep. so we'll We're probably right there print it out and put it in a binder yeah so we'll probably do an yep. updated um, short discussion of what you know what's different in the new revised version uh, from our last review but yeah so since we just finished this with our younger daughter we thought this was a great time to get into um, you know some of the nuts and bolts of what this curriculum is like there's not very many secular curriculum for preschool preschool no and you know there's a lot of argument out there about you know you don't need a preschool curriculum at all i see that argument all the time i'm on i'm on reddit and somebody comes in i'm up i have a preschooler what should what curriculum should i choose and it's like half the comments are like just take them outside to play leave them alone but right and 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 so i think that the there's about i mean that's a valid argument you could do that i think there is i think that i think that the thing that's that people usually take issue with is what curriculum do I need? Do you yeah. need a curriculum, no, quote don't. unquote? And you don't need a curriculum for preschool. Yep. In fact, you don't need a curriculum even for the first few years. Um, and I kind of wonder like the parents who are who are out there and they're trying to, you know, they're planning to homeschool. And for them, they want to feel like, you know, they have something that they can begin to implement and begin to do. And, you know, they, they know they're going to be doing curriculums. They know they're going to be picking math curriculums. They know they're going to be picking reading curriculums and they go, well, okay, is there something here that I can start when I'm a you know preschooler kind of? Right. I know, mean, I think we're excited well, about it, right? We're excited a, about getting started with homeschool. And a lot of times, you know, maybe your preschooler is a little bored and you, you're, right. you're not as creative as, you know, Christina is from Blossom and Root. And maybe you just need a little bit of help. And that's kind of what people are asking for. Like, can I do something with my kid? 
that is enjoyable and fun, mm-hmm. but also has an educational bent to it. Right. I have a ton of respect for our daughter's preschool teacher. She goes to preschool a couple yeah. of days a week just for a few hours, and it's a good opportunity for her to do stuff without mommy and daddy. Um, yep. So, you know, we really like that. But man, I have such respect for these teachers because they have so many projects and things that they're working on with these kids. And I just feel like with all the things that we have to do as being parents, I'm just not creative enough to, I felt, and I know you felt this way too, to keep our preschooler stimulated Mm -hmm. with interesting things to do. I just didn't feel like I was naturally creative enough. Do you need a curriculum? Absolutely not. Could you just do a bunch of play and do a bunch of art and go outside a bunch and, you know, do some bits of working on letters, just fun things? You totally could. But hypothetically, you But I just don't feel like I have the ideas. But hypothetically, you're in in a scenario like I am, right? Where I am, you know, we're not unschoolers in the the least. No, no. And I'm very you know, regimented and we're going to have an episode coming up about our morning routine and you'll get to kind of get into the, you know, uh, the mind of me and which is kind of a terrifying <laughs> place to be. But, you know, I, I have these things I want to accomplish every day. You know, I'm trying to keep us on task mm-hmm. and I'm trying to, you know, move us down the field every single day. And to go into like, it just makes me want to have something that I can just pull off the shelf, get some really good ideas to work with my daughter sure. You know, I, I can't go super regimented and it's not like we're super regimented, but like, you know, do all my curriculum stuff with my older kid and then be like, you know, running through the fields and <laughs> unschooly with my little one. Hair flowing. The flowing. Way. Yeah. You know, back when I used to have long hair, <clears throat> that was a terrible time. Terrible, terrible Ter- time. Terrible time. And uh, <laughs> that was such a bad time. Um, but I don't have time to, you know, just kind of like let it go and having something that's a little bit more focused. Um, and also on top of that, my preschooler is asking me, daddy, I want to do homeschooling. Well, I right. want to do homeschool. She wants her own curriculum. I want to do my homeschool. And she sees, yeah. you know, I have binders for her sister and I have books and curriculum. And she goes, where's my curriculum? Where's my binder? And I want to be part of this. Right. And so if you have a young kid, if you're in that type of scenario where you have kind of a, a younger student that's tagging along with an older student, you may see those type of things. And a curriculum like this may be a way to alleviate some of those, that tension, and some of those like desires of even from the student, you know, the, the learner yeah. of what they want to see and what they want to experience. I agree. And the other thing about it is if you if you only have a preschooler at home and, you know, that's that's your only, you can focus all your attention on that child, then great. Oh, one is so much easier. But than when two. we had a preschooler, we had a yeah. baby. So that was, you know, juggling. And now that we have a younger preschooler, we have an older child who has a lot of things we do need to get through from a curriculum standpoint. Mm-hmm. I feel like having nothing means that you have to be very conscious about blocking out time to give that attention to that younger child. And I think having one of these curriculums is nice because it's like, oh yeah, it reminds you, we got to do something each day that is not just that child's a tag along, but that child is the focus. That's something purposeful. And absolutely, I, I feel a lot of times if I don't have something like this, like with the, we talk, we'll talk a little bit about the playing preschool that we did before, but you know, something like this, I feel like I'm abandoning my child to the wilderness. <laughs> you know, I was like, leave us alone. I've got to do the right start math. Leave us alone. I've got to do, you know, all about reading. And that's a skill as an educator that I'm starting to realize I have. I'm going to have to be able to switch between the two of them mm-hmm. where I give one something to do so that I can work with the other. And then I give that one something to do so I can work with the other. And so we can get all of our stuff Absolutely. done over the course of like two or three hours in the morning and then we can go out and do whatever we want to do. But, you know, having the ability to move between the two of them and not just say, Hey kid, 
which I have been doing a lot of, play with Khan Academy for 30 minutes so I can do reading with your sister. You know, I wish I had something a little bit more structured and things like this help me not feel like I'm abandoning my child. Right. And so all this preamble to say, you absolutely do not need a preschool curriculum. But if you are like us and you don't have a lot of extra ideas just coming to you of all the things you want to do with your preschooler, you want to have a little bit of structure or your child's asking for more structure, Mm -hmm. this is a great and super gentle way to start things out. And one of the things about this with all Blossom and Root Pop products, and I would say this is true with like a lot of these digital curriculums, is it isn't very expensive. I think 30 bucks maybe. Um, Really cheap. Uh, one of the things is these are all kind of, you know, guidelines. guidelines. They're not really like, you don't have to, f- you know, follow them rigidly. For us, we use them as a lot of really great ideas. We don't do everything. Mm-hmm. We do the things that work for us. Um, but it gives us, it's a, it's a whole book full of thoughtful ideas that build upon one another. And, and, and I really like that. And, and a lot of them are structured around a week. Like they, like, here's the week and here's all the things you can do this week. And what's great about it is it's not prescribed to you to say you have to do this on Monday or this on Tuesday. A little bit, you know, we reviewed earlier the playing preschool and the playing preschool was very much segmented in that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. It wasn't like you had to do it that way, but that is how it was organized and presented to you. And I think that it was done because that curriculum is also used by people who run preschools who maybe run on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or an all day a week uh, curriculum or a a schedule, and they need to have something that's a little bit more prescriptive. Um, Blossom and Root is not that. And if you listen to our interviews- Yeah, not nearly as prescriptive as playing preschool. Over the last two, you know, last month or so, we had two interviews with, with Christina from Blossom and Root, and we asked these questions very pointed. Do you have to do everything? Do you have to do it in the order? And she's very much, no, you don't have to do that. So- when you approach these, you know, these this curriculum and you look at what you are, you know, given for the week, just know that you don't have to do everything and you don't have to do it all in that order. Right. And that is a big thing to, to understand, especially if this is the first time you're doing homeschooling and like, okay, I've got a preschooler, I'm going to do this. Oh man, I've got to do this today. And then I got to do this the next day. You don't have to do that. You can be a lot more loosey goosey, um, especially with respect to like our schedule, where you're right, our daughter is gone on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I really only have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to do these type of things with her and a little bit on the weekend if I if I need to, you know, kill an hour or two, I can do stuff there as well. But I don't I can't do the homeschooling for her. I don't even do homeschooling for both kids on every single day. Right. Yeah. A lot of times it's just, you know, okay, look at the schedule. We have some outside classes. It, yeah. We we had a lot of things moving things. and and things are always changing and I'm always try almost approaching it on a day or two day process saying, okay, what's my schedule look like coming up? What do I need to do? Here's what I can do, you know? And so you may have a similar schedule to that if your kid's in preschool or if you have a co-op or if you, maybe you work during the week and you can't do it on a regular cadence, you know? So do understand that these aren't, you know, written in stone. That is important. Absolutely. So let's get into it. What are, what's the main focus of this, uh, this curriculum? So the curriculum is, um, Christina had it basically broken up into kind of three important areas. And these are experiences, environments, and engagement. And so everything that you do are wrapped up into those three concepts. And she calls them the three E's. And basically like an experience is like, and each each and every one of these is, how is the educator providing something to this preschooler to do? You know, whether it is, you know, you're providing an experience by going and doing something, providing music or art, that's great. So you're providing something to them. Then another one would be in the environment. How are you conducting 
the environment of the learning, whether it's inside the house, outside of the house, you know, what are you trying to do with respect to developing play, open-ended play? Are you facilitating something for them to do, right? That how is that, you know, that environment being created? And then ultimately is engagement. Are they, or how are you talking? How are you engaging? How are you, you moving and shaping the play to then get an, an, an outcome, whether it's like, hey, we're just going to count or we're going to listen to music. What do you think about this music? What do you think about this art? What did you think about that character and that story we read? Things like that, where you're actually engaging mm-hmm. your learner. And, and they kind of help you as an educator, especially if this is the first time you're doing homeschooling. These type of little, almost like teaching hacks can help you get over those first few, that learning curve of mm-hmm. being a teacher. Um, being an educator and facilitating an experience that is focused on education instead of play. And it, we know that play done in a, you know, an authentic way is very educational and, and it covers a lot of these concepts, but to bring that every single day, every single activity, and always put that in the front of your mind to say, I'm, I'm viewing this activity, not as a parent with my, my learner is that I'm an educator and I'm trying to facilitate something that is meaningful to my child. Yeah. And having every one of these activities, sometimes they can be very benign activities or very silly activities, but always approaching your learning and your educating and your, the way you, way you implement that and how you engage the learner during that time. You're not just sitting there on your phone. And I know that's hard to do because sometimes they're doing art and you're just like, well, let's see what Facebook's doing right now. And we got to remember, we can't do that. We got to try and and avoid those type of things and be present Mm -hmm. in the educational experience. Because a lot of times these activities and maybe your whole day in the preschool may only last 40 minutes. You may get through everything in less than an hour, which is a nice, you know, that's not a lot of time, right? So if you're only going to be doing it for a very short period of time, try to give it your all. And here are some, you know, tips that she has given you. Um, Great. So let's take a look at what a typical week looks like and what are the activities that are called out throughout and, you know, kind of give some description so folks can see what a, a sample would be like. Absolutely. So we'll just talk about, I'm, I'm opening into week one. Um, so very, I think is in the sample online. Yeah, I believe it is in the sample. So we're not giving away any secret sauce. Definitely buy it. It's worth it just for the book list and a lot of the ideas that you may have. You may not even... Be Spoiler rich. alert. I, yeah. But, you know, it's really, really good. I know. Um, so the first one is basically, um, it's broken up into weeks. So the whole binder, or the whole the whole curriculum is divided by week one, week two, week three, week four, so on and so forth. And I think this is, is this 16? I believe it's... How many weeks is it? 36. Oh, I was off by a magnitude. Yeah. You may realize that 36 weeks is essentially a calendar year of a school year. So if you can imagine it starting in like, say, a September and ending in June, that's kind of the time frame. And you can do one week, at, uh, you know, one week every single week or, hey, this week, you know, maybe we can do two weeks of stuff because, oh, she, you know, my, my learner doesn't really like this. We can do two weeks or this topic isn't really up their alley. I'm going to skip and go to the following week. You are free to do that. You're not a bad person if you do that. Most weeks are standalone. There are some themes that continue through like certain types of art and art studies that come through, but basically a week looks like this. So let's say for for example, the first one, first activity is a walk to, for the five senses. And you get to take a walk near you where you live. And during that walk, you talk to your child about what they're seeing. You know, what are you seeing and hearing? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? And hopefully not tasting, you know, you know, maybe if there's something edible in your area that you can eat, 
fine, but you know, don't lick the pavement, kid. Come on, you know, stop, stop doing that. Um, so you just take a walk, and the, and that is in line with Christina's effort to be more nature driven, be more outdoors, to experience nature, outdoor. very purposeful outdoors time. So that's a you know, it, for her to start her curriculum, her first curriculum, the first activity to be an outdoor walk is you know, right on brand, <laughs> you know, if you can imagine that. Then the next one, uh, the next activity, and again, these are not prescribed to be done, you know, okay, at eight o'clock on, on, on Monday, day. you have to do this, you know. Do, does she give suggestions about what days to do them nope. on? No, nope. it's all listed under the... Just by the whole week. The week. So you it's could called week one. Yeah, the, I think two so or three... So if your weather is crummy one day, you can yeah. just push your nature study. So we have, we have like two or three pages and all the header is week one. Okay. <laughs> and so you just hop through and look through it. Next one is say, um, uh, uh, it's a math and science activity. Um, and very simple to feed the monster. So you basically draw a monster, cut out the mouth, and you feed the monster little pieces of paper, and you count the papers as they go through. Ah, use for an Amazon box. Yes, perfect use for an Amazon box. And then right below that, so that's environment and experience. And she always puts the headers in there of, of the E's, you know, mm-hmm. the three E's. Um, and then below it will say engagement. So get into the habit the habit of wondering out loud. And so it's a little it's a little reminder to you to say. While you're playing a game, make sure to ask questions so it engages their mind and mm-hmm. engages what they're thinking. You know, if you were a monster, what would you eat? Oh, I'd eat mac and cheese, Dad, because that's my favorite. You know, hey, but that's exactly what like, yeah, mac and cheese. Yes, please. And and you know things like that. Or if you're out in the you know in the wild and you see some birds chasing each other, and you go, "Well, what happened? Well, he obviously took his toy and blah blah blah." And, you know that type right. of thing. Really having fun and engaging. So there's like really nice reminders periodically of, you know. As you're doing these activities, you know, here's a reminder for you to, to, to go forward. Then, um, oh, I turn the page. Next one is we have a picture study. And so she has picked an artist, uh, Van Gogh. And so Van Gogh will reappear over the next couple of weeks. And so you'll, you can spend some time understanding who the author is, I mean, who the artist is, and then also famous pieces of, uh, of art. So this one is the Yellow House. And so what you're going to do is you're going to pull up the Yellow House. You could do this on your phone on a TV, on a computer, on a tablet, whatever it might be, open it up, talk about what you see. It's very super simple, right? Talk about the colors you see. Talk about what do you think is happening in this photo? What do you think the artist wanted to do? If you painted a yellow house, what would your yellow house look like? And you could just talk and and Mm -hmm. you spend about five, six, seven minutes of them. And then below that is exploring the artistic expression. And this is a free paint with yellows and blues. If they are more advanced artists, they could try and paint their own yellow house. If they're not, and they're more like a Jackson Pollock painter, like mm-hmm. my, my daughter is, oh, okay, she's just going to paint with yellows and blues. Right. And tell me what you've painted and tell me what your experience is and what are you thinking. And then beyond that, next step down, and this is all under the arts for the week. So again, these are three different things you could do all in one day. If you're like, today's art day, you know, we're doing it all. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to do art over a couple of days. It's up to you. Final one here for the arts is set up a dramatic play area. So you're going to do a, maybe you're Frodo going to the top of Mount Doom or, or you are building Door of the Explorer with your backpack. Door of the Explorer with a backpack and you are, you know, doing whatever. And in that artistic play, you can, you know, like our daughters have the, the chess with the trunk. They have dresses, right? And they have hats, hats and, and whatever scarves, scarves. And, and you can say, glasses. okay, maybe you can go and, you know, put on your jacket backwards and, put on a scarf and you can go and play with them and do something with them and have fun. And that type of play, oh my gosh, takes it a whole nother level. And maybe you have your pictures that you've done 
and you put them up on the wall. Maybe you guys pretend to be painters or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. So the so this dramatic play is not in any way linked to the Van Gogh study. It's no. just another way to yeah. for artistic expression. And I found with my learner that I love to have callbacks to things that we've done during the week or even the previous week. Like if we're in week two, I can do callbacks to week one and say, hey, let's let's do this activity. But remember what we did over there last week? Where were the monsters eating? Let's pretend we're the monsters eating this today and, and we'll do some play. Right, yeah. You can always do callbacks. No big deal. Um, because I, this, is, this isn't prescriptive on how you're going to do dramatic play. It's just that you are going to set up a dramatic play area. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no prescriptive nature here. It's so very like open-ended. It's still open. Way open-ended. And that was a big drive for her is to have open-ended play. And that's, I think at this age, at the two to four age, uh, age range, absolutely the play must be open-ended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, next one is uh, the week in arts. So we're going to continue with the arts, but instead of art art, we're doing music. And this week we were talking about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and we are going to play a song. And there is no specific song called out. So you just pick one, something that he's fam- you know famous for, and you go ahead and listen to it and say, you know, what does this make you feel? Spoilers, my my daughter does not like classical music. So nope. that was something we learned right out, out front. I think we were by the third week and she was like, Daddy, I don't like this music. <laughs> I go, yeah, but it's like all your Disney movies. And she goes, nah, I don't like this music. So we had to like, you know, double back to like Cindy Lauper or something like this. Something yeah, fun we just we just picked fun music. Fun, like, fun let's, 80s music. Let's learn yeah. about disco, you know, yep. this week. And, and our daughter really enjoyed that. And then sometimes there are additional like songs that you can sing. Like they, they, she's talking about some finger play and you sing some songs and, and whatnot. So another great, great thing to do. Then the next item is the book for this week. And in this case, it was The Little Blue Truck. Oh, daughter loves The Little Blue loves Truck. Loves The Little Blue Truck. Great story. So again, in there, um, what Christina is really good for, and, and I've seen this through a lot of the curriculums that she does, is she helps you as an educator give prompts to talk to your child about, you know, themes that were related in the book, things you know, you know, what things that actually happened and then also emotions that came from that story. How did they mm-hmm. feel about it? How did the truck feel about it? Talking about relative emotions of different characters, really all that social emotional learning and recon- recognizing emotion in other people is I, I think a really nice skill at this age, especially when you're thinking about, you know, how does that person feel when something's taken away from them? Right. So, you know, that can drive home and reinforce good behavior in your child. Mm-hmm. Um, really great. And if you do this in a little bit of out of an order, so say you, you read the book first, then you do the art activity, maybe the painting activity that was open-ended is related to the book, right? Instead of the artist, like that's, that's a way you can tweak some of these, these right. things. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And then the final one is, um, uh, the kitchen classroom, which is brought into, uh, the curriculum pretty much every week. Um, and then you could do whatever you want here. And obviously, you, you know, they're not frying, you know, uh, fish and chips, you know, on Friday <laughs> and with hot oil. And they, and they don't give a recipe suggestion. This is just to cook with your, with your child. She has a, a recommendation for a couple books, my first cookbook. Um, and then little helpers, toddler cookbook. She recommends. Yeah. And we actually did buy this, my first cookbook. It's fun recipes to cook together. Um, and this is from America's test kitchen and we'll go ahead and link it in the show notes. It's fabulous as yeah. a very, entry level uh, book cooking with your kids. It's great. So we highly recommend that. Yep. And then you can use those books. You don't have to use them every week. Sometimes I will have my daughter assemble the the lunches. Like for example, on Thursdays, we have um, some activities we have to go and do and we have to eat out on the, you know, in the wild. And so we have to bring lunches along. A lot of times I like to have her assemble her own lunch and that's cooking classroom for me. 
you know, or maybe um, we're doing salads for dinner um, with our dinner. And I ask her, then please assemble the salads and she gets to put everything on. So a lot of stuff that's within her capability and within her wheelhouse. And then giving her a little bit more responsibility as she shows that she is capable and and able to listen and, and respect the kitchen. Maybe I'll have her, you know, pull out one of the 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 soft plastic knives that we have to like, you know, dice up, um, you know, like a, a grapes or um, cut cheese in half that I've already done slices on or things of that nature, pull out meats and stuff and put the, assemble those for lunches. Uh, little things like that I found to be very helpful, just kind of ad hoc and inviting them into a little bit of ownership in the kitchen, right. especially around their own eating and around their own food. I think is a good thing. And I did a lot of that with her. Um, and that tended to be our cooking classroom. So I, I know you do a lot more formalized cooking with the girls. I do a right. lot more, you know, survival cooking. Yeah, with the you girls. do a lot more. Let's make lunch. <laughs> yeah, we need to make lunch. We need to make breakfast. And it got to the point, you know, doing these type of things that by the end of this curriculum, our daughter would come in and say, mommy, daddy, I'm hungry. And we'd be like, okay, go downstairs and make your own cereal. And so our three-year-old would pull the chair up get her bowl out, get her spoon, put the cereal in there, pour a little bit of milk in there, not make a terrible mess. Carry Nothing a dog there. couldn't clean up. <clears throat> no, the, the dog, the, the dog's been eating well lately. <laughs> um, but little things like that. And, you know, starting to bring her into the toaster, being able to put things into the toaster, using the tongs to get them out and, you know, obviously guarded. And, and the, Yeah, the toaster is still supervised. Supervised. But, but she's doing quite but well. But now she's able to put things into the microwave. So she pulls her chair over, puts it in the microwave, and I go, you know, hit a three, hit a zero, and hit start. And so she's now having to find those numbers. Again, extending that learning, extending mm-hmm. the recognizing of numbers and letters and things of that nature, even though she's not, hasn't memorized those, being able to hunt for like a three and a zero is something that she's learning. And then she like memorizes that because this is a very crazy moment in her life. She, daddy's <laughs> letting me use the microwave. So she's going to remember what a three looks like, you know, a week later because daddy asked me to hit the three on the microwave. Those are the type of, ex- of experiences where you're, it's a life experience, but you're also driving down mastery, especially at this level of those basic things that we need them to know when they get into that kindergarten level, that first grade level, knowing your numbers, knowing your letters, things of that nature, that's how you we can. We uh, so, can is there letter specific stuff no. in here? No. no, letter specific starts in volume two. Volume two, and I, I was looking it over, and yes, they, they do focus on letters there. So, no letters here, but that is just something that I, you know, we're playing with letters. Like, for example, we played a little bit of a, a junior Scrabble today, and so she didn't know any of the letters, but I'm like, hey, that's a, a t t. Can you find a t? on the board she's looking around oh there's a tuh so she's starting to you know recognize those and obviously that's going to be a a long process that's not something she's mastering today but doing these type of activities where they are experiencing being exposed to these type of things will then drive the learning easier down the line so so this is great so this is a sample week let's talk about how you used this in inner and and how you brought in our older daughter for some of these activities. Because obviously, you know, if you've only got a preschool, you're just doing these solo. But a lot of these things sound so open-ended that you can involve your older learners. Absolutely, 100%. So older learners can absolutely touch any of the art, any of the music, and, and even the stories. And what this is really great is if you are blessed enough to have multiple children and you're, you've survived, and you have one that... <laughs> that can read, you can obviously bring the older child down to read the story to the younger one. That's one that I, I cannot wait for that to start. And we're, we're kind of on the cusp of that right now where I'm Very allowing, while well, I'll finally be able to have, there's a big principle that I've always wanted 
um, in school and education where you have older students teaching younger students. And I think that's kind of a lost art. And I think that's something special that in our homeschool that we can actually bring that in into um, into our homeschool and and have the younger ones look up to and mentor and 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 have be mentored by older students, not just your parents. You know, having your older sister read you the stories, I think is a very um, connecting experience. And yeah, so, I agree. So you can absolutely do that. Also the art, way open-ended. And what's cool about the art is if you have a student who is doing some like art requirement somewhere else, like in like another curriculum, or they have an art requirement, say in a class that are, they're that are taking, like sketches and things of that nature, including them in the artwork is a way to get both of those out of the way. Um, so my daughter has an art class that she has to deliver art on a weekly basis. It's just, hey, I did these sketches or I did this painting. I did this type of thing and you want to show it to the teacher. She gets some credit for it. I would I would have my older student doing the art with us and looking at the art. And so having her do a, literally the activity of like, hey, look at the painting. Here's the yellows and blues. I'd like you to paint the yellow house by Van Gogh. And I want you to do your best job, best you can do, and we'll put it aside and then we'll send right. that to your teacher next week. And then you can tell the teacher that this is a painting by Van Gogh and I was trying to recreate it. Again, they're getting the same learning and I'm able to hit two things with one stone. Music-wise, our older daughter loves music, loves classical music, but also loves pop music. So you know, obviously we had to go to the pop music side for this one and she didn't complain. But also doing, you know, hey, while you're doing the dancing, I want you to do your Irish step dance routine to this song while your sister is dancing, you know, to the song here. And so she's, I'm able to get multiple things out. I was doing a lot of that. Um, just being able to include my older one in this was a nice thing. <clears throat> how I, how I basically attacked my week was I would come to a new week and I would look at what I had, I, you know, obviously ask you, Hey, do we have this book? Oh yes, we do. Okay, great. If we don't, I need it from the library. You know, we'd get it in a day or two. So I would then jump into some other activity and I would look across the whole two week or the whole week period and say, all right, Monday through Friday, what can I get done? And I would say, okay, today I can do this, this, and this. And I would then pull all the materials, get all the things together, put them on the table so that I would have essentially my older's, you know, stack of curriculum that we've got to do for the day. And then my younger one would have the paints taken out, the papers already, you know, cut out. If there's anything on like a like a an image I need to do, I'll I'll already preload that on the tablet. So all I got to do is open Chrome. It's sitting right there, ready to go. And then we would go ahead and do it, and I'd be able to switch between the two of them as we were doing the homeschooling. And then in the book, we'd have it all printed out. We have it in a binder, and I would just check it off when I've done it, or if I've done something that was similar to it. You know, like oh, I I did the art, and then we had an open-ended play around this or that. Okay, that was good enough. I'm going to check that off. Oh. She was playing with her sister and doing a fort and I got involved in it. And that's kind of like this activity. Check it off, right? Sometimes I would I would get it done by, you know, just because it happened, uh, you know, automatically. Sometimes I would do it more purposefully. Like, oh, we've got to read the book. Let's sit down and read the book together. Let's sit down and, you know, talk about the book. And maybe, you know, um, I know the blue truck one, we, I think we played some matchbox cars with it and everything like that. And you know, pretended we were our own truck and you got the farm animals out and did the farm. <laughs> and so it was kind of, you know, it was a good experience and my daughter, my older daughter could tag along with us and do that. So those are the type of ways that I kind of, it was, it was, le- it wasn't as rigid as you would think. It was a little bit more loose, but I did have to start at the start of the week, look at what was coming up and what materials I needed to do and kind of wrap my head around, okay, how am I going to do these things? Should I do cook kitchen classroom today? No, today's not a good day. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll ask my daughter, what do you want to make? 
What do you want to do? Okay, great. I'll get all that prepared for you for tomorrow. I think the one thing that stands out to me about this curriculum, uh, having come right from playing preschool, is it's much gentler than playing preschool. Playing preschool really had a lot of work to do. If you've looked at the sample of that, yeah. it was pretty intensive, and we didn't keep up very well with the activities because it was a, every day there was a long list of it things was, that had to be done. If I remember correctly, there was a lot of continuation of of activities across the week. So, like, yes, you could you didn't have to do everything. And I don't think I did everything. No, we certainly didn't. But it had a lot of books. I mean, each week it was like, oh, here's six books. And here's every day there was a different activity for letters and things. And it was just like... You had to reread the story for the week a couple times. And it's not like I I don't do that with with this. But I just found sometimes I wanted to do more of the, you know, science and technology stuff. And maybe I didn't want to read that book five times. (laughs) Right. Well, I just, I think that this is a nice gentle approach. I think that this is probably best for families that want a gentle preschool approach. If you really, if you have a a high energy preschooler that you, you really need to be keeping them busy all the time, playing preschool is maybe a better option than this one because it's really chock full of activities. It's got something, you know, if you're going to run a a small cottage school or something yep. like that. If you've got a couple of other kids or you're nannying and you're doing this for a few kids, um, playing preschool is probably better because it's, it's very, um, it's very chock full and it's very purposeful. But if you've got other kids around or that, you have a, you have a, f- a fractured week like we do, right. Where or you want something gentle. Yeah. I think that this is a much better, uh, gentle introduction option. I never felt like it was too much. I felt like playing preschool was a little too much for me. Like, from what yeah, I, could I think if you just had a time. preschooler yeah. and you didn't have anything else taking up your time, playing preschool is really comprehensive. There's a lot going on yeah. there, and I really, there's a lot to like about that curriculum, but this is a, a gentler, easier approach. So, overall, it we're totally fans. gets our fans. recommendation. Yep. Um, we're going on to early years volume two, and as I said, we'll talk about that. So, let's, let's end this the way that we, we've been ending our, our episodes the book of the week. Um, this week I am reading, well, and have been for the last, um, two weeks, I'm reading a book called The Kin mm-hmm. with our daughter. And it's a book about a group of children in like in er- early man in Africa. Africa. And it's a group of children that have gotten away from their, their tribe, which they call the kin, the group of people that they were with and kind of some of the dangers and things that they come across. This is to dovetail with our prehistory curriculum that mm. we're doing now. Um, this is a very large book. It's like, I want to say it's like 600 pages, but it's broken up into three sections that are all told from a different, a different child's point of view. I'm hopeful that when we get to the end of the first section, which is only about 140 pages, that maybe I'll be able to cap the story there and we won't have to do the rest because it is a bit much. She's only in first grade, but we just read one chapter a night. It's like 10 pages. How, 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 how difficult is the reading and the comprehension? You know, it's not difficult at all. I think because it's all being told from the perspective of children, it's a lot easier for our daughter to understand. They don't really use many big words and things. It's pretty simple concepts. And it's a lot of like survival stuff. Is it more or less than Harry Potter? Less. Less. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's because there's not, um, there, there aren't a lot of long words and things. This is just what the kids are able to describe, how they feel, how they're looking for water and food and shelter. And so thus far, it's been really interesting and talking to my daughter about what would you do if you were in this situation? It's uh, given her a really interesting perspective. So we're in the middle of it. I can't vouch for it yet. And we'll talk about it on our prehistory show when we finish. But for now, that's what we're in the middle of reading. 
Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!